0: Selling myself short, pushing for less just For the love of the sport and no gimmies Clear to see it, send me the vibe But the hustle is not, only taking the strides To see more better, not only more cheddar Talking like I walk it, call it poor man special Seen more than envy in the eyes on my drive less is over losses just to keep my sister proud Can't describe the time it took Just for me to hold my head Instead of showing all my knowledge, slow to speak instead And beyond that, I learned how to finesse the force Direct with my mouthpiece, that's verbal intercourse What's that? What's that? Verbal intercourse, just love. Today we're at the Hangar, and I'm Nick Walker, I'm the host of Verbal Intercourse Podcast. And I'm here with the amazing Roderick Red, oh, owner of Red Square Production Company, and the Hanger, who has been doing marvelous things for the city of Jackson, as well as the world. We're providing us with, with film and documentaries and commercials and everything creative that this man has been producing has looked amazing. So shout out to this brother, man. i do have known him for a long time since Chestnut Middle School. You know taking it back oh, yeah. know his family he's doing a great thing i'm proud of him so yeah we're gonna get right on on into it how yeah. you feeling today
1: man i'm straight man thank you for having me on brother yeah bro Like yeah. We, we go back like yeah. you said how we chastain middle school murray high school yeah you know what i'm saying with the college separately but we stayed you know stay close and we stay close we repping the city you know jackson and all that stuff man so honored to be on on verbal intercourse on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like a collaboration, yeah. verbal intercourse, red, red square. square hey, so yeah, we just hanging out today.
0: Coming. We right. just hanging out today in the hangar, you know.
1: Chopping it up. Chopping it Talking up. Talking about different stuff, man. So
0: So let's get yeah. right on into it, man. You know, you've been creating from a while for for a while. I remember when yep. you started uh Q to Rant. Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are gonna take it back to, to, to the day ones. Yeah. I remember I remember when you started Q to Rant and I yeah. thought that was really cool and I was able to contribute to that. Yeah. So Boy, you take it back back. Yeah, yeah. Dang, we we had to take it that. back. You know, uh going upstairs into your studio, you see the, you still see the pictures. Oh, and yeah. it was amazing what we actually created for real, because we was like, what, twenty one, twenty two mm-hmm. was probably you was, was probably like, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, we was, no,
1: we was like, it was like you know, 22, 23, we
0: 22, 23 Yeah. yeah so early. talk to me a little bit about the root of your creative juices. How did you start creating? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure it came way before that, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, that's a good question. I, you know, I don't really like to think of myself as a creative. I always think about myself like a, I would usually think about myself like as a business person first. Okay. But really, if we go back to the root of it, I've been creating since forever. You know, back in the days, you know, I was at Chastain. I used to draw comic books. So you know, and I used to sell them back in the day. Who used to <laughs> I say, ain't that. Me do that? You know, what I'm saying, who <laughs> and Zabo and everybody. So I was drawing comic books and selling them. Before that, man, like with my family, I used to do this little magazine. I used to have papers, and I would draw this magazine and and like had these little pages in this book and uh, we would make different versions of it. And I had my cousin, my brothers and my sisters who would all contribute to this little magazine. Uh, it was like called Media Mania. I remember <laughs> it to this day. So I was always drawing and stuff growing up and making stuff and, and, you know, even I was selling comic books back in the day, like stuff I drew myself, you know, so if I draw one, I have to draw it again and do it over again, so. I've been creative for a long time, actually, so uh, that's yep. kind of the root of it. And uh, in the mirror, you know, I was on the, um, I was uh, on the, uh, the Hoof Beat. That's what right, I, I, I was newspaper. gonna say it was called, that, the Hoof Beat. Yeah, hoofbeat. the Hoof Beat, yeah. so I was the art and, uh, art and photo editor, so I was going around taking pictures and stuff and being over to art and stuff like that, but yeah. And I, you know, I wanted to go to college for you know video stuff. For, you know I wanted to go to college for photo journalism because I was in the photos, okay. but I ended up changing later on the, to uh, video production because I would look down the list and I was like, what, what's something I can do that can make me some money? Right. Cause I was like, I don't want to be a photojournalist. I feel like they're going to be broke. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that, but uh, that's how I ended up doing video at USM. So, you know, that's what that That's was.
0: a real statement though. I feel like if any, if any young kids watch this video, mm-hmm. you, sometimes you got to look down the list and see what's
1: going to make me some money. money. <laughs> and, and that was like, what was crazy though, like at the time, which was like 2008, you know, that was right before the video, boom. That was YouTube, it just started that year. So I was actually like, hey i was started a, 08? like really started to get it started, oh, really started like to blow be, up, blow blow up in 08, like yeah. started to be it was a ramble like nobody was like yeah was barely on there you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but it really caught on in like 2009 mm-hmm. whereas like youtube was like it didn't it ain't even near like what it is now but so actually i kind of like started to get into something as it was i got in the video at the best possible time right. like there's no time in history getting into video could have worked out better just like <laughs> unfortunately when like George Floyd was murdered, there's uh, no better time for me to be black right now. So it was like, I'm doing a job in video where like it's the best time to be doing video and be good at it, but then also it's a good time, to, it's a better time to be black in, in what we do too. So it was like, I'm kind of like set up to kind of, it's kind of hard for me to fail, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? long right. as I just like, show up and do we supposed to do, at this time, like was, we're going to be successful, so.
0: How... Oh. <sighs> Question I wanted to ask is how rare is it to be a black owner yeah. of a film production company, especially in the Southeast? Like, talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about the challenges that can go with it, as well as kind of mm-hmm. you know you having a chip on your shoulder about it, and yeah. you know it's it's professional That's and great, everything.
1: Great, great question. The uh, I mean, it's so rare here in the South to be a black video creator that and in Mississippi that it basically is non-existent here. Yeah. So in Jackson, Mississippi, when it comes to video production and video production companies, there ostensibly are none. I mean, there are some advertising agencies here in the city that do a little bit of video or do a lot of bit of video. But we were the only, at one point, we were Red Square Productions. We were the only video production company in the city. Now, when I say company, I mean like, people and staff and team members. There was a lot of people making videos. There was a lot of individuals or even duos that were kind of making videos, but ostensibly, we were it. And so, uh, and that's just video production, period. And then also we were black. So obviously we were the only ones doing that as well. So it was pretty rare here. And, um, and that's just kind of what it is like growing up in Mississippi or just being in Mississippi is that we lack some of those jobs that aren't, um, I don't know what, they, what the what the the specific name is. I had it on the tip of my tongue, but uh, we lack a lot of a lot. Of, we lack a lot of uh, knowledge-based jobs in Mississippi. So yeah. being able to sit in a computer screen and work mm-hmm. those jobs. not the most of the jobs in Mississippi are factory jobs, plant manual jobs, labor. manual labor, yeah. and that's really the 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 type of jobs that the state government really tries to continue to bring here. You know what I'm saying? And that you know in itself is a is an issue because if Mississippi is going to grow outside of that base. You know what I'm saying? We need to be able to have knowledge-based jobs here. The reason why Atlanta and Dallas and these other places got stuff going on, when I was in Atlanta recently, you see all these people staying at these nice hotels because they work in these places that have these knowledge-based jobs where they're not in the plant working. They're dealing with like strategic stuff and doing finances or doing advertising like we do or doing whatever that is. And it's knowledge-based jobs because they exist there. You know what I'm saying? So that brings a certain clientele there, which in turn brings certain types of businesses there, certain types of hotels, certain types of food. That's why you're able to get there. Mississippi kind of is stuck in that area because it it doesn't want to grow outside of its, you know, initial base. And they think that, oh, we're hardworking Mississippians, we're working in a factory. Ain't nothing wrong working in a factory. But if that's like your only, your economic base when it comes to being a state, then you limit your future, not only economically, but just like, you know, recreationally too. Right. You don't realize that. So I
0: believe uh, I believe our millennial generation, you know, you know, you just had a son. I think I think us as parents, we're going to cultivate and and try to mature that creates those creative juices that Mm -hmm. our children have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you speak at the rarity of film production companies, especially in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And I think it's due to our parents not seeing people do those type of things, yeah. them not having the access to mm-hmm. be able to ha- even have the time to be creative. They yeah. were so worried about so many other things, yeah. you know, to even have the time mm-hmm. to be creative. So I wanted to ask, do you think that, you know, what you have in your production company, do you think you have the ability to inspire the youth or do you even have ideas to kind of bring the youth in to kind of mm-hmm. cultivate their mind to, mm-hmm. to go towards creating and film production and
1: all of those type of things? Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah. Man, being from Jackson Public Schools, JPS, man, it's always about, I'm always thinking about like how I can give back and how important it is for people to see different people do different stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons, one of the ways in which I met my wife is when she worked for an organization called Alignment Jackson, they had a big career fair. And somebody connected us because they thought my company was cool, and was like, "Hey, y'all should show up at this career fair alongside all these other boring businesses and these other boring <laughs> other stuff. Y'all exciting because y'all do video and y'all got drones. Right. And so one of the reasons why and this fair actually costs us money. It's a huge career fair, but it was for JPS students particularly. And it was at a time when we were small, but I was like, I, I, we paid the money because I thought it was important to be a part of it so that they, JPS students could see a JPS graduate with right. a business that's different from the normal business, a creative business. Right. So I think it's super important to kind of give back there. So we, we think that's important and just by proxy, uh, two things, just by proxy of like being the only video or one of the only video production companies here in the city, we get calls all the time from film students, from creative students, from Jack State, Bell Haven, NELSEP CEP students that are looking for internships, looking for opportunities, because they Google, again, you you Google video production in Jackson, Mississippi, we're it. Right. That's all that's here. So they look it up, they see us online, they see our work, and they're like, oh, I want to work that. I want to I wanna do this. And so because of that, we ended up starting an organization, a nonprofit organization called Fleet, which is basically a way to create uh, connect creative professionals and grow and train aspiring creative professionals. And so, that that idea came from again people reaching out wanting to be a part of what we were doing, and we, us kind of kind of needing to create an avenue for that to be done. Cause we still a small company. Right. We couldn't take on like I couldn't take, if I took on all the interns that wanted to be an intern, I couldn't do <laughs> our jobs here. But the truth of the matter is too here's a double edged sword about living in Mississippi. Almost everybody that we had working here like I don't have a, I don't have a huge pool of uh, employees to pull from. Mm. A lot of my employees came here started off young and had to learn on the job. So because they had to learn on the job, then that means it took us a little longer to get to where we wanted to go or where we want to be. You know? And also I had to learn on the job too as we were growing, because I was young. But so like we, whereas where I could go to Atlanta and find somebody that's been shooting film for 10 years and can do X, Y, Z, here, like outside of the few people I know, everybody else is like brand new with a camera. So us having to kind of foster and create this industry ourselves has been a kind of the catalyst behind why we have been fostering creative growth amongst young people because we need them to stay here to, to do it. Yep. And if the state not going to do it, then Red Square, then Fleet and, and the hangar are going to be tools in which we're going to do it ourselves to make it happen.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, bro. That's, that's definitely trailblazing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that's you building a culture and when we get older, people going to look back and say, okay, Ride was the okay. first one to bring that
1: Trying to do a float. You know I'm saying? inspired by look. We we stand on the, the shoulders of giants. You hear people say that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm making a documentary right now about Mount Bayou, Mississippi, first black town, uh, or arguably the first black town in this country, and the most successful black town in this country, all black town that's still around. Mm-hmm. You know, this town was founded in you know 1889, and it was super prosperous. You know what I'm saying? And because and it was born out of the most racist state yeah. in the country. Yeah. The most prosperous black town ever uh-huh. it was born out of most So when you're doing that, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we stand standing on those shoulders of people like, you know, Isaiah T. Montgomery or the different individuals who work through there to, to, to build up Mount Bayou. The same thing here, we working in a state that don't have a whole lot of resources. The worst education, you know, by far, the you know, people leaving the state, biggest brain drain. We're right. gonna try to reverse that. We're gonna try to do everything we can. Something like fleet and the hangar and all this stuff is being born out of it because, you know, you know, real pressure. Makes diamonds, baby. You yep, know, that's definitely. what it is. So that's what we got to try to do.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And that's amazing, man. I didn't, done, done saw quite a bit of your documentary. So I kind of mm-hmm. want you to kind of talk a little bit about, if, if they don't know much about Red Squared oh, yeah. or Fleet, tell, tell, tell the people a little bit about some of your productions that you've yeah. created thus far.
1: So Red Squared is, um, <clears throat> it was a production company I started in 2012. Yeah. And uh, it uh, it's since transformed into what we call a communication design company which is basically um, uh, expands our services. So in 2019, we merged with and Media Group and we became Red Squared. We just dropped the productions. And um, we started, we still do video production, um, but we also do web development, branding, graphic design. We're basically an advertising agency for today. Uh, we call ourselves a, a culture powered uh, company. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, because we focus on, you know, we like to pull jobs that focus on culture, that focus on our city, mm-hmm. and and we like to do work for clients that are doing positive impacts on things that we believe in here. So you know, we don't like to work on stuff we don't necessarily not believe in. But um, but Red Square was uh, a Red Square Productions became Red squared and you know we we do commercials, high end commercials, we do. uh videos we do uh a branding campaigns development design and things like that for all kinds of companies and non-profits and governmental entities and one of our specialties what we do is documentary filmmaking exactly. so we produce several documentary films including mississippi left me out in 2016. Uh, which, which was, was amazing it was about uh <laughs> thank you appreciate that yeah, which yeah. was about uh, uh the state's uh, uh lack of uh wanting to expand uh medicaid medicaid yeah mm-hmm. and then um in 2021, we, we produced uh, The Defenders, which is right now Amazing. going through the, um, the uh, we produced that alongside the Foundation of Mississippi History and Mississippi the, um, Department of Archives and History. And that's about uh, civil rights lawyers in the South um, and their trials and tribulations. And that's right now going through the film festival circuit. Um, it's been nominated for a couple of awards. It's the film festivals. best short doc at the uh, Morehouse Human Rights Film Festival. And it'll be screening up in DC, uh, in late September at the uh, March on Washington Film Festival. Wow. And so that's going to be cool. I'm on a panel up there speaking about that. So yeah. I get to go to DC and talk about that, which is exciting. And then right now, our latest documentary is called Promised Land, mm-hmm. and it's a story about Mound Bayou, Mississippi. And so we, we're we really excited about this one. And this is just about story about Mound Bayou. Mound, people, don't, a lot of folks don't know about Mound Bayou. I didn't
0: know about it <laughs> until you brought it to my attention. Yeah, so we, yeah. we want
1: to be making a documentary that is going to be informational, uh, and also, you know, hopefully inspiring, man. It's a, like I said, Mount Bayou was a, was a, was a is arguably the oldest black town in the country. There's a few more that kind of came around the same time. They like to say they are, you know, so, but I don't, I, I, to be technically correct, I would be like, I don't know, but they are arguably the oldest black town in the country, founded by ex-slaves. Uh, and at one point was one of the, uh, was the richest county and city in the state of Mississippi and boasted a lot of resources. And so it has, several up and down kind of uh stories through it you know uh theodore roosevelt went through the town one year and called it the jewel of the delta uh because uh he had a railroad and it was in the late it was in the early 1900s when cotton was king Mm -hmm. and mound bayou cotton was so world renowned and sought after rich people would come to mound bayou to get their cotton because it was just the high-end stuff and uh uh, president theodore roosevelt was going to jackson Mm -hmm. they were going to new orleans passing through uh on his train and stopped in Mount Bayou and stopped because he was so surprised he got there and it was all—it an all-black town yeah. and it was rich. Like, Negroes had, black people had on um, suits and people was like, it was this town that had all this money and all these resources and he stopped it. He was like, he couldn't believe, he was like, look at this, like, this is a, <laughs> this is a town. And he actually got up and it was an impromptu speech and he gave on this town and he talked about the greatness of America in that speech. Mm. Uh, Cause he was just, so this was, a okay, kid, this was like the early 1900s, so, you know, People still look at black people like that now, but he was just even more so like, wow, like this. A, and he was, he talked about the greatest of America that we can have an all black town Here. in this country. And he was just like happy, like, look at America, man. We got all black town in Mississippi, it's, it's the most beautiful town I've ever seen. And it's all this black town. And he called it in that speech the Jewel of the Delta, which is still Mount his nickname today, the Jewel of the Mississippi Delta. And so. Man, I'm yeah. looking forward to that, bro. Right. Right. I'm excited to kind of tell that story and put that out there, man. But this is a story that's gotta be told. People don't like black, like this, you know, a guy in the documentary mentioned, like, you know, a lot of African Americans don't have a home when you get, you know, we get taken from Africa and brought here. And, you know, slavery I had to go through that. We had this weird relationship with America When we talk about places like Mount Bayou. It was the first time in history where a black town was free to be able to be them, black people were able to be themselves. And there was no threat from white, black, white people on the outside. There was no, you know, Emmett Till was murdered in Money, Mississippi. Uh, Mamie Till came down and stayed in Mount Bayou because it was the only safe place to stay Mm. in the whole state of Mississippi where you had to worry about nobody running up in there. The Klan couldn't run up in there. You know, Mm. nobody wanted to go in there and mess with Mount Bayou because it was their own thing. Mm. It was all black. There was no racial discrimination because everything was all black. And so we used to it now, but that was completely unheard of in the early 1900s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You know what I'm saying? Going to a place where Everybody like Jackson all black now, but like yeah, back know, then it wasn't. Like then it wouldn't, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, but and that was the only place where you could go in the whole state where it was like, oh, uh, and it was the only place where they had a hospital where black people could get treated. Back in the day, black people had to go to hospitals and they had to go to the basement and they could barely get any medical help. Mm-hmm. Mount Bayou had the Taborian Hospital, the only hospital in the whole state. Black people around the whole state used to go to Mount Bayou to go to the hospital because it was the only hospital they go to to get treated like a person. Yeah. Like I can walk through the front door and see doctors that were black and see nurses that was black and take care of me. So oh, that was huge for everybody. We talking about those little things when we don't realize, but that's huge.
0: So. And I think, uh, I think from watching your documentaries, I think it's very important that you, that you I feel like you uplift the mm-hmm. black people without mm-hmm. putting the trauma yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Like the Defenders,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I love watching that documentary proud of you and proud of the, I mean, I of the people yeah. that you uplifted in mm-hmm. the documentary, oh, yeah. you know? I, I think that's very important these days because especially when you're teaching a lot of people about their history, mm-hmm. especially black history, they, uh, a lot of, a lot of people our age, they, you know, they shy away from the movies, Hollywood movies mm-hmm. and documentaries because they feel like it's so, um, it's, it's depressing, it's tragic. triggering triggering. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, That's that, that's why that's important for uh, black people to tell black stories. Right. That's why that's so important because the way in which, and it was interesting making the Mount Bayou documentary, uh, when you hear about a documentary being made, and everybody at Mount Bayou was super skeptical. They were skeptical up to the point they met me.
0: They had to see who you was.
1: And when they met me, they still was a little skeptical. But once I talked to them, a lot of them were like my grandmama, were like my uncles. Yeah. And once I talked to them, so I dabbed him up and was like, well, where you from there? Where you from? I'm from Jackson. around down the <laughs> road over now. there. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. my, my, I to tell it, look, my mom and I'm from Greenwood, Mississippi. My right. dad from Port Gibson." Oh, OK. All right. All right. Yeah. We, so, so that's why it's important for black people to tell black stories because it won't, it, we can kind of tell it in a way where, you know, it has less trauma because it's coming from our perspective. Right. I know what it feel like to right. be, you know, to have racist stuff happen to you and be you know be a black man in america so if i'm gonna tell the story i'm gonna be a little careful with the story because it's my story you know what i'm saying it's mine you know as opposed to like even the most well-meaning white person can tell that same story but they're not gonna tell it like a black person was gonna tell it.
0: yeah yeah man. And so That's... it's
1: important to have those skills and what we get caught into a lot of times is that sometimes black people want to tell the story but not mine necessarily they say, I had the skills right And so we got the skills and we got the the the, the background the history and the credibility You know, don't nobody wanna watch a Mountain Body documentary made by a white person. Today, especially. But, like, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's so important that a black Mississippian tell a story story. about an all black town. You know, I ain't necessarily gotta be from there, but I got roots there. And if I'm from Mississippi, I got roots there. But it's also important, too, for somebody that had the skill to do it. Because you just don't, you know, also, you don't just want to let anybody tell it because it's like, can you even make a documentary, bro? You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, not really. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, you got to have, have both of them. Like, okay, you got the skill set, the wherewithal. And then, are you one of Are you our people? Are you our people? You good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that stuff could be solved in Hollywood and a lot of that commercial stuff. That's what, that's what sets us apart. That's why we're a culture power agency, is that, you know, especially after the murder of George Floyd, a lot of people will make commercials. For black people, but then when nobody black work on a commercial and then wonder why <laughs> right. it didn't resonate with nobody. And I was like, well, all you had to do was ask one black person what you talk about this commercial and they would have told you what to say. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a I bunch of talk, in the night. You, you know, A lot of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like no one gets together and makes a commercial for women and, and don't have a woman in there to ask her, you know what, we make this tampon commercial, <laughs> should, right. we, should we not have a woman help us write this commercial? So we can talk to them the right way. Right. It's the same thing as you go for black people. If we're <laughs> gonna make this commercial to try to get black people to sign up for something. Let's get a black person to make it. Right. And so that's why it's kind of good right now to kind of be in business right now, because it's like people are kind of realizing the obvious. Yeah, that black hey,
0: people always had talent.
1: Yeah, they uh, ha- Always had talent. And that if you're trying to talk to them, let's get somebody to talk to them. You know right. what I'm saying? Let's get somebody in the rooms to do this. If you're trying to sell them something, get a black person to tell it. Right. You know, duh. It, it seems like <laughs> duh, you know, but it's like they just like catching up like, oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Ooh, man,
0: so, cool. so yeah, man, we we kicking it in the hangar, man. Tell it, tell us a little bit about that. I, I saw you make a post on Instagram about. Oh yeah. What the hangar is? Let's let's shift focus a little bit. Let's talk about the hangar. So, where where do you see this going, and what is the hangar?
1: Man, so the hangar is, it's twenty two thousand square foot building, that's in um, Midtown Jackson. So. Um, it is when I moved, I moved into this building in 2015 2014 and uh, I was renting it out it was owned by a non-profit called Midtown partners um, I recently purchased it in 2019 late 2019 2020 and uh, well no I actually I purchased it in 2020 and it was initially a creative incubator space. So it was the opportunity for me to move in and move my company. It was my company's first headquarters. And when I started my company, Red Square, it was out of my mama's house, out of my uncle's car lot, and out of my mama's house. And then they moved in here. And so I was renting the space and then uh, we were able to buy the building. And so when we were able to realize we can buy this building, we can get it. Um, uh, but let me go, before that, it was a creative incubator space. So I was able to move my company in here and able to rent space for cheap. Uh-huh. So and it was. this was pivotal for a business like me who couldn't afford a big overhead for a company. Um, and so it was great, right? I could move in for cheap rent, but also it gave me access to different people that were in Midtown. Um, and different resources like uh, Millsaps College and their business school who gave us a lot of help doing business plans and all that stuff and interns. And so it gave me a lot of resources and and credibility. When you open up a spot, you open up a space, it makes you look like, okay, you got some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So that was huge for us is being in the creative incubator space. It incubated us, it helped us grow to the point where we bought a building. And we bought the building in 2020 and um, and uh, once I bought it, the ideas was going out. I was I'm super Everywhere. visionary. Yeah. Uh, I realized like, so this was always gonna be, uh, my company is gonna be based out of here, but because of the size of the building, it's a big building and it's a warehouse attached to it. And so it made me realize that I want to start a soundstage. And so the hangar is is gonna be the first of its kind in Jackson, Mississippi, state-of-the-art, industry standard, um, creative office space and professional soundstage area. And so what does that mean? So. Uh, The office portion of the hangar will house businesses like mine, Red Squared, and a plethora of other ones. Whoever got a business that a knowledge-based business they want to be a part of, you know, any financial companies or different organizations, if they want to have offices here, they will have office space here for them. Uh, The downstairs area would be a big open office space, uh, with a co-working feel. uh, So you have amenities here where you have your own private offices for your business, but also kind of a co-working feel for it uh, in this space as well. Uh, and it be huge, it's a huge building. Uh, it also have, the hangar will also house Red Square Rentals, Red Square Productions Rentals, which I started in 2018. And so that was another business that came out of necessity. Uh-huh. Uh, it's kind of weaved into Red Square right now, but it's now been kind of placed into the hangar. And hangar itself, by the way, is its own separate business now. Okay. But the uh, Red Square Productions Rentals uh, is where we rent film equipment out. And so we're the only film equipment rental uh, agency in the state of Mississippi. And so we rent our extra film equipment, our extra gear, anything we have, we rent it. We're taking it to the next level when it it moves into this building. And we're gonna specifically care to film equipment rentals and photography. And so this will be a spot that if you come to shoot a movie in Jackson, you come to shoot anything in Jackson, as people already were, they call us, you can come back up your truck and get all types of film equipment rentals, from C stands, low boys, you know, all types of stuff. We're gonna have all the film equipment rentals here in the city so no longer films will not have to go to new orleans and or memphis to get film equipment they'll be able to get it right here in the capital the city and then lastly with the warehouse we're doing a professional industry standard sound stage and it's important as industry standard because we sound it in the case denzel wanna come shoot his next movie here he can do it <laughs> right here miss city uh, masala <laughs> that's what it is look miss city masala too you know what i'm saying come through but no it's gonna be industry standard because you know, we want to be industry-proof in case, you know, the industry ever comes here in Mississippi. But really, it's really for the local people because we recognize that the soundstage is going to be very useful for the community. It's for that community of creative people, the local photographers, the local video people, the local advertising agencies. If you got any one of those companies, if you got a visual company, photo, video, the hangar is going to be the space you want to hear about and it's going to be the space you want to be at. And so we're going to have this big sound stage. It's going to have a huge psych wall. going to have digital screens, staging, you'll be able to big trusses where you'll be able to kind of group and do lighting. Uh, We have production offices, editing suites, uh, hair and makeup, all those rooms, everything will be in the hangar. It'll be industry standard. It'll be all set up to the T and it'll be run here through the hangar. And so the hangar will be this big creative hub whether you, if you're making music, we have a sound uh, studio in here as well. So whether you're making music, whether you're doing photography, whether you're doing video, this is going to be the spot where you're going to do it at. And it's going to house Red Square and a bunch of other businesses, including Fleet, our nonprofit, uh, any of the podcasting, bring y'all in there. You're going to do it. All that. that's going to be the spot to do it at. So the hangar is going to serve that creative, be the creative infrastructure that's been needed to help foster the growth for the creative community in Jackson. That's simply what the hangar is going to be. Because right now there's nowhere creative people can gotta kind of go as a hub right uh-huh. you know dudes that shooting photos you know dudes that's doing video you know dudes that's doing podcasting they're doing a lot of their house they're doing that their friend thing they do that little studio around the corner right. this going to be the spot yeah. and we want to be that spot so that they can meet each other and grow their creative community so that we can actually have a creative community so they can grow yeah man
0: man it sounds amazing when, when do you think it will be up and running
1: so we are in the preliminary development stage right now so we actually got um the architectural, the mechanical, and the electrical layouts for the building. Mm. So, theoretically, we can hand it over to a general commercial contractor and start tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but when we hand that over, we also gotta hand over about five to $7 million too, him <laughs> to do the work. So, right. uh, there's gonna be, a, we're, we're working on right now, securing some funding, mm. trying to uh, gather up some resources. Uh, the actual work to the building, once the money is kind of secured, probably won't be less than a year mm. uh, because, uh, the, 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 the work that's gonna have to be done inside the building isn't extensive. It's really just knocking down walls and cleaning up stuff and leveling floors and soundproofing areas and stuff like that. So it's not super hard work. Uh, the biggest thing is money. So, you know, we, we you know, we, we set it up there. People wanna give, wanna donate to the hangar and see this thing come to life. You know, we, we can give us some information, share some information in the future. We're working on securing partners. Um, we got some out of state partners, some big partners we're gonna reveal soon. Um, But also just some in-state folks, man, we want to just get behind it. Because, again, this is creative infrastructure. This is going to be life-changing. This is basically um, uh, workforce development here, creative workforce development. So it's going to create tons of jobs. People having to to watch this building, having to rent stuff to people, having to, you know, take care of the building. And then, obviously, having that space to be able to, the film community is going to be huge to what we're doing here. And so, you know, all that space is going to have to be useful here. And so probably the next in the, depending on if we are able to secure the funds that we need to by early next year, this time next year, we should be able to see significant developments in this building. And by the end of 2023 going into early 2024 is when you'll start to really see the hangar where they really kind of come to life in that respect. And it'll more than likely be piecemealed out. You know, we'll start one area at a time, you know, and move from there. Man,
0: that, man, that sounds dope, bro. I'm gonna right. tell you, man, it's crazy because Like i said when i started out we grew up together yeah so to see you expand and expand and grow and mature it's a beautiful thing to watch man i appreciate it i'm proud of you you're doctor too man i appreciate (laughs) you man hey hey. i
1: see yours coming man big time hoopers to like (laughs) look doctor physical therapy out here man making sure people Fixing them, after you break their ankles, you fix their ankles. Hey, man. hey, man. Do, hey,
0: I I so. try, man. But it's it's really it's really amazing to see you doing great work, brother. Appreciate it, man. So, uh, you know, we're gonna we gonna end this we gonna end this interview with, with a with a fun question. I always wanted to ask you this. I don't know I don't know why I never asked you, but since you are a person that creates documentary and we both uh-huh. know we both love basketball, what's your favorite basketball documentary?
1: Favorite basketball documentary. Oh man, Uh, the Jordan documentary. Uh, I knew you
0: was gonna say that. That's an easy answer. I mean,
1: you know, I've seen a couple of them, but that was the, you know, that was the one. I'm
0: gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you one that you should check out, which is. Which is critically acclaimed. If you type in best basketball documentaries, it's gonna uh-huh. pop up every time it's hoop dreams.
1: Hoop Dream. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that one? I seen it, but it's been so long since I saw it though. Yeah, because but, it follows two inner city yeah. kids. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. And it mm-hmm. follows them from ninth grade to twelfth grade and oh, yeah. see how they progress and yeah. all the trials and tribulations they go through. Oh yeah. But yeah, man. Man, it's been amazing talking to you, bro. Appreciate it. Man. And we're gonna have to sit down and do this again sometime. Oh, we do. Oh.
1: I got a few I got a few more things I want to say though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, go Talk ahead. About the bro. creative industry. Before we, while we on hooping, but mm-hmm. you got this year. And would you surprised? I told you Golden State was gonna win, by the way. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I told and, you. And I
0: think, I think, I I think everybody you. that, I think everybody that that watched Boston versus Golden State knew that Boston had a better team, but they lacked mental and fi- and physical toughness. Which I said, I was like, yeah. Have you been there before? Like, like it I, like, there. like I thought they was ready. It's, it's tough because. I look at Boston now as a team that's never gonna get back unless they make a significant change. Yep. They scared to pull the trigger now, but mm-hmm. but it's kind of like when it's kind of like when Atlanta lost to Tom Brady mm-hmm. from uh, lost the twenty eight oh, yeah. to three lead. It's like once you get fractured like that. You can say we gonna be back next year, no, you won't.
1: but you but you won't. Now Daddy's like nah, nah nah nah.
0: Nah, you you won't. You know everybody's saying oh they young, they they twenty four, they twenty five. I
1: mean they had the better team, but it was like, it was like fragile. Like, they were like
0: they, they. I mean they. Nah,
1: nice, it's too late. nothing niggas like oh nah, you yeah. going to get better. Y'all ain't got enough. And the only way you can do that is if you got some real superstars that's like grinding in there. Cause you gotta have players that's like, like we gonna push through it no matter what. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when the, in the heat days when Brown was there, even, you know, even with the Lakers, you none, know, they didn't do nothing this year. But like every year, you know, I got to see them too. Giannis, every year.
0: Giannis, Kumpo is coming. He's gonna be the person that I think will, I think he'll somewhere eventually in his career win back to back at least. Oh, well, yeah.
1: I, I, I hope I think so. It's all up in the air now.
0: A dream documentary.
1: Dream documentary.
0: What, what? What would be the, the dream documentary, the dream
1: Ooh. story that you would shoot? Ooh, and the Mount bike one was actually a good one. It was a documentary I started on that I never did get a chance to really get all the way through, but it was about um, CJSO. Really? Yeah, the Central Jackson Stock Organization. That story is incredible and it'd be dope to follow a kid that's in it right now.
0: Nah, but you know my dream for you though? What? I want you to do a documentary on Chris Jackson
1: Oh, and how he was blacklisted yeah.
0: from the NBA Dang. after changing after because I think that documentary would be amazing. Uh-huh. Because you know, you got Colin Kaepernick, but before Colin Kaepernick, mm-hmm. it was Chris Jackson, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And what did you
1: blacklisted for? Huh? What are you blacklisted for?
0: Well, uh, you know, he changed, he, he converted to Islam, oh, and then oh, the, oh, the, the, what, the national anthem he the national anthem was and and he didn't he didn't you know put his hand over his heart he didn't really acknowledge the national anthem Uh and people like like if you hear people like phil jackson talk when they talk about steph curry Uh he was like oh that's just a that's just a remake of chris jackson that's that's the exact Uh word because chris jackson is the greatest Basketball player in Mississippi history. If you did that documentary, that would be on ESPN. Oh. I'm pretty sure it would yeah. be because it's because the story was so big. Yeah, you got. I mean, you got a player that was, he he was the upcoming guard in the in the NBA, mm-hmm. and gets Dang. basically. And and you then it's and it. it's crazy because he's still producer. here.
1: You got a executive producer. Come on, let's do
0: it. I, hey that hey, bruh. I'm telling you, that would be an amazing documentary because. You gotta realize Chris Jackson is like 50 years old, still playing in the big three, still yeah. effective, still yeah. can get 30. <laughs> yeah.
1: That'll What's his Muslim name now? Uh uh Is it Raul? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, he called. Mm-hmm. I know it's Jackson. That's crazy. Raul. Yeah. Yep. Well look, that's what it is. Well, the only thing I wanted to say was about the um the film community in Jackson, Mississippi.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it. Because, right. because you know me, we, we kind of talked about it yeah. but we ain't really let me just say this for it.
1: the film community so the thing that drives me crazy about the film community here well it don't drive me crazy about the film community is people's assumptions about the film community here And so it is of my opinion that the film community here does not exist and so we get calls all the time from people who are looking for people to work on a film set um, but they don't take into careful consideration where they're calling to or who they're asking and so i said to you earlier you know, it's like going to, you know, a small town looking for a, a, a you know, a surgeon, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, like we're, it's like there's no hospital here. Why would there be a surgeon in this little small town? Like, when people come here, HBO, NBC, they're looking for people, there are no professional production managers here. Because there is no film community here, you know what right. I'm saying? And what we're trying to do is change that, you know what I'm saying? But the big thing that needs to happen is that people need to recognize where they're going. You know what I'm saying? And if they, it, 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 it sounds good that now everybody wants to like, we want to be inclusive, we want to have you know black people on set and local people, local communities on set. But it's like how are you gonna have a local, you know, production manager, a local first AC in a community that doesn't have a film community. So there is no local first AC. There's, when you do your work as an organization that's coming to Mississippi, you actually got to do the work. Like, know what you're talking about when you come here or know where you're going before you get here. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And like, and so I get it that you don't necessarily want to make assumptions about a place or a town, but you should ask. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of roads lead to us because we're it, but also you should just use common sense. If you Google a place and you can't find a certain spot there, that you need to assume that it's probably not... It, it isn't conducive to that environment. You know what I'm saying? If you Google a small town in, in Idaho and for a video production company, you can't find it. You should probably assume that there's not a lot of people making videos in Boise, Idaho. That's okay <laughs> or yeah. wherever, you know, to, to, to think, but you know, it just, it used to drive me crazy because it's just like these people that are be looking for these professionals and they just, they weren't here. And they, and, 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 and I just have to go and explain this to everybody all the time. I explain this to people once every other week about, Okay, they're like, because I am the Red Squared, is the de facto. Uh, I'm looking for some film people to put on set. Do you know anybody? <sighs> no, <laughs> I don't. Or or actually, I'd say, yes, I do. Here are the numbers of three people, but also, he works at a bank, he works at a TV station, and he works at an architectural firm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, like, you, you know. That's what it is. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's annoying to just be having to say that over and over again. And I just wish, you know, people, and I think it kind of my annoyance really kind of came from, I overheard a conversation one time in a coffee shop uh, about some some people complaining about shooting a film in Jackson and not being able to find uh, local help. And they were complaining about it without realizing like how stupid they look complaining about it mm. it's like if you was in a small town going man i just cannot find a gucci stuff for nothing like what is what what's right. this place like they ain't got no gucci stores around here like come on bro right. it's like what you look like complaining about a gucci store in a small t- like, you know what i'm saying <laughs> like they was legit complaining about not being able to find a production manager in jackson mississippi and it's like bro you in jackson mississippi like do you know where you at like why would there be one here but it, it drove me crazy because I knew that they were here to shoot a film because they were too broke to shoot it somewhere else. Right. So they, if you'd have shot it in L.A., you bro, have had you'd have all you needed. But guess why you didn't shoot it in L.A.? Because it was too expensive to shoot in L.A. So you came to Mississippi to shoot it for free or shoot it for cheap. But then when you got here, you was like, oh, ain't no resources here. Well, you had to pick, my boy, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? You, know, you, you just shoot it in Atlanta for a reason. because. Yeah. It would've cost you, for you to get more permitting. It would've cost for you to, you would have to pay those professionals more. They thought they can come here and find some cheap people to pay to do X, Y, Z and save money on their film. But it was like, they came here and was like, oh, there's actually nobody here to work on the film. And then they started complaining about it. And it was like, well, where you at bro? Like, how you complaining about, you know?
0: Yeah, that's th- just like, going to IHOP getting mad that they ain't got waffles.
1: Come on now. <laughs> For real. And, or being mad that like yeah. these ain't the gourmet waffles. It's like, bro, you at IHOP. Yeah. Like where you at? Like yeah. look where you at. Like you thought you was going to get some gourmet yeah. waffles in the IHOP, my boy? Nah. You know what man. I'm saying? Like that's, that's what you look like. So, and to, so to complain about that, it, I, I almost wanted to go over and say something but I ain't even going to say nothing. So hopefully this gets out. And people can like, no, yeah. like, we're trying to grow the film community here. The, the Mississippi ostensibly doesn't have one, and so we're, you know. And, I, and when I say that, like, I, there's people here that do film, so you know. And I know those folks that do film, but like when I say we don't have one, kinda don't have one. You yeah, know what I yeah. say? I yeah. Don't, it ain't ain't like, no shade. It's yeah. just saying the facts. Like, the, the facts <laughs> is like, it's like, yeah, I know you shoot video, and I know you do film over here, but like, yeah. Okay, after three of y'all, who else is doing it? All <laughs> right. We here. You know what I'm saying? You can count you on be mad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ain't no hoopers here. you like, I ain't mean like you just can't hoop. I mean, but, but how many like, can You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. How many of y'all can yeah. really do this? Like, yeah. that's what it is. So right. I wanted to get that out my chest. The creative community here in Jackson is incredible and amazing and needs the opportunity and the outlet to do its thing. The state needs to kind of get behind. The state needs to get behind the city of Jackson. The state of Mississippi will not be successful without the city of Jackson. No. And the biggest issue with the state of Mississippi is that it's trying to be successful in spite of the city of Jackson. You know what I'm saying? And so I I hope that there's some recognition that comes out of like, Jackson needs to be nurtured and taken care of because it's in a bad place. I also get mad, you know, another thing that gets mad, and we're gonna get controversial now, when people complain about the city of Jackson.
0: Let's talk about it.
1: This this, this is why, so right now we complain about the water for the city of Jackson, right? Right. And and, And the infrastructure. I'm mad like you that my water don't always be on or it's not. I got to boil it all the time. But I don't get mad at the of Jackson because I recognize where it comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Like, to boil it down simply before I go into my long tirade, racism, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Definitely. The reason why Jackson's in a situation is in is racism. And if you don't know that, you need to do your research because- you
0: Better you,
1: ask somebody. Better ask somebody. <laughs> now I know a lot of our people don't know that because they just want to complain like, hey, our water don't work. Chokeway, what's going on? Chokeway oh, hey, influence. It. 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 They stole all the money. Ah, Bro, quite simply put, racism is where we at. What do I mean by that? Jackson infrastructure is terrible because it hasn't been upkept in 50 to 70 years. Why hasn't it been upkept? Because we ain't had the money to upkeep it. Why we ain't had the money? Because Jackson was loses ta- losing his tax base after um, after, um, uh, after segregation ended after the federal government mandated that segregation was illegal. And mem- remember, the state of Mississippi didn't, even when the, the federal government mandated segregation in, the state of Mississippi still didn't integrate schools. Right. The federal government had to send troops uh-huh. to make the state of Mississippi integrate schools.
0: And yeah, so, agents.
1: So basically, and, 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 and troops. Uh-huh. And so basically when people made, when, when, when the federal government made people integrate schools, white people in the city of Jackson left. Right. right? Jackson was mostly white in the 50s and the 60s. In the late 60s, early 70s, integration was mandated here. You know, City Mississippi ignored it for a long time until the federal government was like, okay, we need to make y'all niggas do this. So they made them do it. Once they did it, Jackson Prep, Jackson Prep popped up. Jackson Academy popped up. Madison County Ridgeland grow. All those areas grew. Um, Madison, Madison County schools, all those areas grew white flight that happened around the country, but it really happened here in the state of Mississippi. So what does that got to do with Jackson? If you got, you know, every year from the late 1960s up until 2011, 1968 to 2011, every year Jackson, Mississippi lost residents. It wasn't until 2012 where Jackson didn't see a net gain, it just saw a a net, it just was zero. We didn't lose people. So for, I don't know how many years that is, almost 60, 70, almost yeah. uh, 50, 50 years. 50, 50 years. The yeah. city of Jackson lost residence. What does that mean for his taxes? Look, if you got a job and your bills is $2,000 a month and your job pay you $4,000 a month, and every year you lose money on your paycheck, instead of making four, you make thirty-five, three thousand, two twenty-five dollars $3,000, 2500 2000 1500 Guess what's gonna happen over after years? You ain't gonna be able to pay your bills after a while. Right. So, Jackson wasn't able to upgrade their infrastructure for large swaths of that whole time. And so there's also abandoned buildings. There's also infrastructure crumble. There's also all that stuff that's happening Education right now. Crumbling. Education, all of that. With that, you know, who's, who, who are the people that are able to move? The best, the brightest, the people that have money. Mm. Who does that leave? Poor people. Right. So, poor,
0: disabled. Poor,
1: disabled. And so, guess what happens when you got a city that's full of poor people that don't have a lot of options or resources? Guess what happened guess what go up bang
0: bang bang crime,
1: okay <laughs> also crime goes up because it's also the most people here There's also a lot of crime in new york city yeah. because it's a lot of people in new york city but you don't necessarily see it all the time but it's crime in new york city so all those things happen infrastructure gets down the city of jackson goes down all that stuff is happening so when i see somebody complaining about the city of jackson without having that real knowledge of like where are we at now and they want to complain about well who stole the money for xyz bro what money you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the infrastructure costs two billion dollars to fix now the city of jackson has over the couple of years dealt with some people stealing some money here and there but you're talking about people stealing some money but we are already broken poor anyway right. so they instituted things like the one percent sales tax that you know will get us 20 million dollars a year to put towards infrastructure people always ask well, why how to use that 20 million dollars a year to fix infrastructure we are how much it costs to fix the infrastructure? Two big, billion dollars. Okay, so gonna here we it go. Years, it's going to take some time and some years because yeah. the whole infrastructure in Jackson needs to be kicked up and remade. So even as the, here's the thing that people be sleeping on. People like our mayor, Chuck Way, who ain't perfect, but has plans and has been working on it. He had a, he had plans. He was like, look, we're going to use some of this, this uh, 1% infrastructure money to fix West Jackson. We're going to use some grant money we got from the federal government to fix uh, South Jackson. We're gonna go to North Jackson, we're gonna get some other pot of money to start to fix this. The, this the, 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 the mayor's office went to the state of Mississippi and said, hey, state of Mississippi, help give us some money to fix the infrastructure just downtown. The Lumumba administration did. Well, how are we gonna fund these resources to fix our infrastructure? What can we fix? And so the plan they came up with about putting those different resources from different pots of money into different areas. Not even having all two billion, but hey, here go 200, 300 million we can kind of move around to get some stuff rolling, rockin' rolling rollin' with, all right? Uh, the, the state of Mississippi, I mean, the city of Jackson went to the state of Mississippi and said, hey, look at this plan we got. Again, this is supposed to be the state, and this is the state. This is your capital city. This ain't like some side chick that you don't like. Some. This is your capital city in which you do business in every year between January and March. You meet in Jackson because it's your capital. This is supposed to be a place you care about. Um, it went to the state of Mississippi and was like hey help us do the infrastructure down. can you give us x amount of dollars or whatever you got help us fix the infrastructure just downtown you ain't got to do where that's fucking niggas like, hey just do you come up here for the legislative session right fix your pipes then you know what i'm saying right. let you have clean water right you know what i'm saying and the state of Mississippi said no nah, we good <laughs> <laughs> like straight up you and he <laughs> was, was like and that is the classic telling Mississippi because it's like I shoot myself in the foot if I got to nigga I don't care that ain't got nothing to do with me it's 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 an act of negligence right it's not like a I'm gonna hold you down you're doing good nigga. let me hold you down it's just like oh like you took over the city I can have it Ugh. but you Ugh. know
0: but you know that's a you know like you know you specifically talking about Jackson right now but the mm-hmm. state of Mississippi and their politicians as a whole mm-hmm. as well as the voters they it, it's like they can't read mm-hmm. it's like you know they will continuously vote against their uh, against interest, their best interest because they're
1: animated by other things that they're animated by national politics that don't make no sense right and they're back behind it they get behind the r before they get behind the d you know what i'm saying but just because of that the second example and this is how i know you was like oh you stay there not to get to that this is how i the second example how i know jackson public schools uh recently the past couple of years got a f um as a school district right wow um Couple of years ago, if you get two Fs in a row, per the state constitution, the state of Mississippi got to take over your school district. Uh-huh. The Department of Education, the state of Mississippi, got to take it over. Uh-huh. Jackson Public Schools got two Fs in a row. Per the constitution, the state of Mississippi, the state got to go take that motherfucker over. Like, hey, you know, y'all wild. Uh uh Yeah. Um, when it was time, so Jackson Public Schools got two Fs. When it was time for uh, the state of Mississippi to take it over, Phil Bryan was the governor at the time. He went to go talk to the mayor and basically went to the mayor and was like we don't really want to do this I, basically he was like we don't care enough to take it over can y'all do something about this and fix it <laughs> basically you know what I'm saying it's like yeah like he, he, he they literally view Jackson as like not even a part of their house I think it's people like a fought against
0: them taking it over though
1: some people did fight against Taylor because they thought that the state wasn't gonna do right by it too yeah, but the, but but the fact of the matter was, the state also didn't want to take it over either. So oh. you don't, know, you gotta fight me over, it, bro. I don't want it. You know <laughs> I what I'm saying? Like really, I get rid it. It. and and they didn't want it because Jackson Public Schools is an all-black school district. Right. All brown babies, right? Yeah. And so people don't want to say like, oh, they have to get. It. They just don't care. It's it's negligence. And let me tell you, let me tell you the other piece of how I know it is that because Jackson Public Schools is the largest school district in the state of Mississippi. Right this ain't no little school district oh man y'all fix that this is your school this is the this is the big one the state this is the, big just one. the largest this is it and the state of Mississippi just kind of be like no yeah you know what I'm saying yeah. hey the Constitution say you need to, we good like you would think like hey like this is your best interest like this is something that can help the state out but again they don't care again because those most of the state pot the kids don't go to JPS they don't it's no, it's really just saying, they to on they going to private or they going to Flowwood or Pearl or you know, whatever they need. Like, I don't care. Like that ain't got nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's we're fine over here. Even when
0: that and uh issue. even when that bill when we was trying to vote for I forgot the, the actual number of the bill, but it was gonna allocate the funding to schools that needed it and mm-hmm. kinda make the level the, the, the level feel mm-hmm. I mean the the uh the field level. Mm-hmm. They, people just voted against it. I just yeah. was like.
1: Because by numbers and by deed, it'll be Jackson Public Schools that would get a lot of those resources. Just, and, but they also think that Jackson Public Schools ain't ran well because black people run it. And, and, Public and, Public and, Public. and they think just see the Jackson not run well because black people run it. You know, we both products
0: of black the, JPS schools. schools. <laughs> so
1: watching people do JPS wrong and do Jackson wrong. And then, obviously, I was gonna say this earlier. Obviously, with the we got tons of stories of them the disinvestment in terms of business. They, out, the state of Mississippi, always core businesses to move into other areas outside Jackson. Sure. Yeah, tell them don't go to Jackson, go to Flowood. Yeah, don't go, there, go to Madison. Like go top golf. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. The and the it's top like,
0: golf in the hood and every other place
1: yeah (laughs) but it's but it's the jackson no don't go over there so there's multiple stories of divestment in jackson in that way but those other two stories are just the divestment between jackson public schools and the takeover which I, i wouldn't want the state to take over either but also the state didn't want to take over which like blew my mind like wow it really like we just don't care like we really don't and and then the big thing with the water was like them not even wanting to put up the resources to fix the water downtown where they use i was just like wow they, they just was like no nah, i just don't care bro like i don't this ain't got nothing to do with me what they got to do with me yeah, they're gonna yeah. leave you over there to your side and so that's the issue and as long as the state of mississippi does that the state of mississippi will not prosper right that's the issue capital cities were built that's where most people at, most people at you when you bring people to mississippi they don't understand that people out outside moving to mississippi are more likely to want to come to jackson so you need to make sure you take care of your best asset. They don't view Jackson as their best asset. It's like you're trying to, you, you're a dribbler and you're like, I'm trying to work on my shot. It's like, bro, yo, that ain't your best asset.
0: It's crazy because I feel like Dion and Jackson State football is almost our best asset. asset. You know what I'm saying? It is, in the whole state. In the whole and that's state. just
1: one thing. Like, I'm, just imagine one if thing. you can be that. And so the state of Mississippi be too busy trying to compete with places like Texas and and, and Atlanta. Uh, you know, they try to play with ideas of, like, um, uh, the big idea was, uh, we going to cut taxes so we can keep young people like Sam and Sarah Caroline and Nick to stay in Mississippi because they really give a shit about not being able to pay taxes, income taxes. You know what I'm saying? That's going to keep them to stay in the state of Mississippi and not move to Texas. Texas can do that because Texas got a whole bunch of stuff to get you to move there. Right. And that's an added bit. They also got a bunch of jobs and a bunch of high-paying jobs where when you ain't got to pay income tax. it's it's advantageous for you.
0: And then they don't have a bunch of empty buildings exactly. just everywhere. <laughs> Where,
1: and, they, and investment in people here. And they also got other people like you, mm-hmm. like-minded folks like me, or young folks that's moving there. You know what I'm saying? To be a part of that community. And so you gotta do whatever you gotta do to get people to stay here in the state of Mississippi and Jackson. And people are more likely gonna visit Jackson, so you gotta take care of Jackson. Jackson is a wonderful asset and the most creative, and the best asset for our creative community. And we need to the state of mississippi and everybody here needs to recognize it and treat it as such i ain't saying it's perfect but it's just like we got to do better yeah and so yeah
0: so yeah man shout out to you you putting them building blocks in place man yeah. you doing your part bro so so hopefully you know these politicians get on board and you know we here for you and uh you know we gonna round this interview off oh, man yeah. it's been great seeing you bro great Appreciate talking it, with you man oh, yeah. and yeah we out Peace. Was that, uh, direct with my mouthpiece that's verbal in the course, yes, love.